0: What's going on, Eagles fans? Welcome into another edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. It's the Lockdown Eagles podcast, as always, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Friday edition of the show, guys. It's episode number five this week of five downloaded into your phone wherever you subscribe to Lockdown Eagles. We are available on all platforms on. Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, Monday through Friday. We're available in video form as well, Monday through Friday on YouTube. Guys, make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel because not only do we have all five full episodes a week being posted on YouTube, but we also have some short exclusive clips that you can only get on YouTube as well. And then we're always talking birds on Twitter at DiBiase, L-O-E. Our show page is at Birds, And Gino Camilleri, my co-host, he's on Twitter at GC24 underscore football. Coming up on today's edition of the show, it's Friday. Normally, this is the last show before the Eagles game on Sunday. But this week, week three in 2021, is the first primetime game for the Eagles in the form of a Monday night battle with the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. So we're also going to have a show on Monday morning being dropped for you as well. Kind of a pregame show. We'll continue to dive into that matchup. Um, As you know, yesterday, crossover Thursday, Marcus Mosher of On Cowboys sat down with Gino Camilleri and the two previewed this matchup. Me and Gino kind of took a first look at this rivalry and how close these two teams have been in the 21st century on Wednesday. We did stock up, stock down on Tuesday. Monday was the post game show for the Eagles loss to the 49ers in week two. All four of those shows are available wherever you get your podcasts. And then today it is Friday. So what we do on Fridays is our official flagship quarterback show of Locked On Eagles that we're doing weekly throughout the season. Last year, it was called Wentz Wednesday. Now it is called Locked On QB1. Each week, we go into... How did Jalen Hurts do? I mean, this is such a huge season for him, and it's really going to go week by week as we continue to evaluate. Can he convince, is he convincing this organization that they should keep him as QB1, not only this year, but next year, and for the future? Is he doing enough? Each game, we're going to dive deep into what he did well, what he's not doing good enough, and we're going to see at the end of the season, after all these shows, if he did do enough for the Eagles to hold off on using those first-round picks they have next year, at least um, there's going to have um, two first-round picks in two seconds at the worst if Carson Wentz doesn't play 75% of the snaps to use on potentially a quarterback of the future. And so last week we got into what an unbelievable performance he had in week one against the Atlanta Falcons. And today I'm going to dive into how I thought he did against the 49ers, uh, 49ers week two and then discusses well what's to come with Hurts against this Dallas Cowboys defense in his first primetime game as the official QB1 of the Philadelphia Eagles. Actually, this will be his first primetime game as an Eagle. Last year against the Saints, Cardinals, Washington, he did not play in a primetime game. Um, guys, we want to, again, thank you for making lockdown Eagles your first listen every day. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get the podcast. We're going to be dropping shows daily throughout the year. And again, this Friday and every Friday is locked on QB one and Jalen hurts. Was he bad against the 49ers? I would say no. I thought there were some really good things to like from Jalen. In that game against a much better opponent than the Atlanta Falcons defense he faced week one. I thought he bounced back really well after remember that first miss he had deep down the field to Devontae Smith. Smith beat his man, I believe it was Josh Norman. He had a step on him. If Hertz leads him into the end zone, Devontae's probably scoring a deep touchdown in that first quarter. Hertz could not get enough into it. He was late on the play, tried to step into it in the face of pressure. Wasn't a great start when it comes to hurt silencing critics, when it comes to that arm strength, when it comes to throwing with anticipation deep down the field. But I thought after that, he bounced back really well in the deep ball game. I thought I saw growth in multiple areas in the passing game. The deep ball to Quez Watkins, that 91-yard reception, was beautiful. With Landon Dickerson getting bull rushed in Hertz's face in his own end zone, Hurts still, stands in the pocket, and that's something we wanted to see. Don't leave the pocket too early. We know how mobile you are, but sometimes just trust your instincts, trust your protection, also trust your arm and get that ball out instead of always ducking the eyes and trying to use your legs. It's a gift, but sometimes being a mobile quarterback can also be a curse if you use it too much, right? It's about finding that equilibrium, and I thought that play was a perfect example of him growing in that area and just laying an absolute rainbow. Beautiful touch. He got into the throw enough to hit Quez Watkins in stride. It was a great play. And even before that, the deep ball that didn't count to Jalen Rager because Rager stepped out, I thought was amazing. And when Hertz is untouched, when he's on time and when he's accurate, he throws a beautiful deep ball. And he loves to throw the deep ball. That's what I'm really encouraged about with Hertz is that he is willing. Unlike unlike past Eagles quarterbacks, like you know, Sam Bradford's the one I use all the time he is way more willing to let that thing rip. He wants to throw it deep. It's not about the willingness more than it's about the ability to do it consistently at an efficient level. But I did thought um, I saw growth. I I do think I saw growth from Hurts in the passing game throughout that game against a good front four in San Francisco that was getting to him pretty consistently. I thought you look on third down. A few times early on, he stuck in the pocket, waited for his guys to get open trusted that Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell was going to pick up the blitz, trust that although the pocket's pushing back, their offensive line could hold on, and I thought he stayed in there, didn't leave the pocket, and move the chains on a couple really good throws in the first quarter. So there definitely was some growth with Jalen when it comes to the key areas we discussed on Lockdown QB1 last week that he really needs to work on. And then, of course, just his mobility continues to be such a huge asset for this offense when receivers are struggling like they did. I I did not think it was a great performance from Devontae Smith or Jalen Rager. I thought it was a great game for Quez Watkins with those two touches, but even Quez, you can't expect Watkins to get open consistently and be a guy that you know, is going to get the ball seven to eight times and see 10 targets. That's just not his role on this offense. And so when things broke down in the fourth quarter and the Eagles needed a drive to put them back within one score, Jalen Hurts and his mobility really took over. I mean, his legs pretty much did all the work, surpassed 80 rushing yards on the day, had that QB sneak touchdown in the fourth quarter to put them only down by six. It was too little too late, but I did think that you didn't lose because of Jalen Hurts. Against San Francisco, right? I thought the place calling was just brutal from Nick Sirianni. Like I said, I think the wide receivers, not very good. Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager, specifically, these are first round picks and back to back years. They've got to step up and take advantage when you have mismatches against weaker defensive backs, right? When you have a weaker mismatch um, against these not so great secondaries, I should say cornerbacks for San Francisco, because they have really good safeties, but when you have a, a, an advantage, like they were supposed to, with when you have two first-round picks, you'd imagine at receiver, you'd imagine that's an advantage, and they did not take advantage at all. So it wasn't really all on Jalen Hurts. I thought the defense, too, gave up a little bit too much cushion, and the Niners were able to sus- uh, sustain a lot of drives. And, you know, although the Eagles – bended, but they didn't really break. They still were on the field for way too long. The defense got tired and the offense, like when you're not on the field that long, you get rusty. It's hard to really maintain that consistent momentum. Um, So there were a lot of exterior factors that caused this game to result in an L outside of Jalen Hurts himself. But at the same time, this game was not going to be won because of Jalen Hurts. This game reminded me of a team that could And again, it's only one game. There has been a lot of times you have won because of Jalen Hurts already in his short career. But this game kind of confirmed some of the worries I have about Jalen being the long-term QB1. I didn't think he was bad. I didn't think you lost the game because of Jalen. But I think Hurts was a guy that you didn't lose because of, but you weren't going to win because of him either, right? It just reminded me of a guy that you could win with consistently or have a chance of winning these games consistently, but when you need him to just completely take over and will a team to victory when all else is going wrong, um, If for the, my audio listeners, I'm pointing to the hat I'm wearing, which is the 2019 NFC Championship hat. Um, I'm referring to Carson Wentz carrying that team with practice squad players pretty much all over the board at the skill positions um, and winning five straight games. That kind of player was not Jalen Hurts on Sunday. And that doesn't mean he doesn't have that ability, but it's a ability that I'm worried about. He gave me very Tyrod Taylor, Alex Smith type of vibes on Sunday. Does he have that takeover ability consistently? And I don't mean just with his running ability where one drive against the 49ers in the fourth quarter he has a couple of big runs and he can put you within striking distance. I mean, when Patrick Mahomes, who he's going to play next week, I cannot wait for that test. When Patrick Mahomes is lighting up your secondary and he's throwing 40 plus times a game, and Jalen Hurts has to have that going back to the Rams uh, Chiefs game a couple of years ago where they're just exchanging blows. Or I should mention the Eagles themselves, the Super Bowl where Tom Brady's throwing for over 500 yards, half a thousand on your defense. Can you, Nick Foles, keep up? Can Jalen Hurts do that with his arm? And that wasn't the case on Sunday, even though the 49ers offense was not really taking advantage of the Eagles defense. So I just wonder if he has that star quarterback mode, that switch that he can flip on like these other guys can. And you notice when you watch them in that mode, right, that God mode, right? Steph Curry in the third quarter with the Golden State Warriors, like, oh, just get out of his way. Like there's no stopping him here. Does Jalen Hurts have that kind of ability where you're just like, he's going to do what he's going to do, and we just got to limit him, right? Where defenses just throw their hands up in the air. Does he have that ability where you can win because of him consistently? Can he just will you to victory when other things aren't going that right? Um, We've seen it at times. I think Arizona last year was a good example of him willing you back into that football game but I don't know as a passer if he can consistently do that. And obviously you guys have heard me talk about that on the show already, but the game against San Francisco kind of confirmed some of those worries for me, and he's going to have a lot more opportunities to silence that critique this year. But in his first test in 2021 in that specific area, um, he didn't step up. We'll continue to get into Jalen Hurts, his performance against the San Francisco 49ers. What's to expect coming up against the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night, guys. Again, thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen every day. And today's show could not be had without rockauto.com. Guys, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry when you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket? It's a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for 20 years, and they have everything you need from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. And best of all, their prices are always reliably low, and it's reliably low for everybody, for the professionals, but also the do-it-yourselfers. Head over to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and make sure you write down Lockdown in there. How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Friday edition of Locked on Eagles. Guys, thank you for making Locked on Eagles your first listen. Every day, we are your only daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. And on today's edition of the show, we are locked on Jalen Hurts. We are locked on QB1. And I didn't think it was a terrible performance against San Francisco on Sunday for Jalen, but I don't think Hurts stepped up in the way that you want a franchise quarterback to in a close game, where you want him to take over that game And really just, you know, be QB1 and be a guy you win because of or have a chance to win because of, not a guy that you're just, that's not killing you. But again, he's not elevating you either, I think is the right word to use. Elevation is a key thing that you look at when it comes to being a franchise quarterback, not just a good starter. Because I think Jalen Hurts is always going to be a good starter in this league. I think you're always going to have a chance to win 10 games with him and consistently compete for the playoffs. I think that was Alex Smith, wherever he went with the San Francisco 49ers, with the Kansas City Chiefs, even with Washington the last couple of years. When Alex Smith was in there last year, they were, what, 6-2? and two? Um, And they won the division. Obviously, it was the NFC least. But nonetheless, like Alex Smith, a good quarterback you can always win with. And I think that was the same thing with Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. And I think it would have been the case if they didn't replace him in Cleveland or LA or eventually now in Houston in next year's draft. But that's look at those two. Alex Smith got replaced eventually for a guy they could win because of in Colin Kaepernick. And then again, Alex Smith got replaced in Kansas City for Patrick Mahomes. Tyrod Taylor, the same thing, replaced in Buffalo by Josh Allen. Replaced in Cleveland by Baker Mayfield. Replaced in Los Angeles by Justin Herbert. I wonder if Jalen Hurts is just going to always be that guy that eventually is replaced when a team wants just a little bit more or a lot more. I don't know if that's going to be the case yet. And he has, a, he has what, 15 more games this year to prove he is more than that. And he's shown signs that he can be more than that um, this year and last year. But against San Francisco, that's what he looked like to me. And the 49ers, it was interesting to see how the defense really defended Hurts. Like they dared him to throw down the field and over the middle. Through two weeks, Jalen Hurts, a big concern of mine, he has barely attempted passes over the middle of the field. And that is an issue. You have to be able to produce there so defenses do not take away what the Eagles do best right now. That's taking away screens and short passing, the run game, those are things that you thrive with, with that offensive line and Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell and the speed of, you know, Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins and Devontae Smith. If you want to be able to do what you did against Atlanta on a consistent basis, you got to make sure these defenses don't have eight in the box and they're stacking against the run and against the screen game and guarding the boundary because they know your quarterback is not going to dare them to defend the middle of the field. If you look at his passing charts against Atlanta, even as great of a game as that was and against San Francisco, their passing game has been one dimensional. It's been on the sidelines. It's been short passes or last week it was too many deep attempts and it's, it's got to even out more. You've got to be more than just this one trick pony or defenses are, they're going to call your bluff and say, and they're going to dare you like the Niners did on Sunday. They're going to dare you to beat them in other ways. And the Eagles Jalen hurts. Nick Sirianni, the receivers, it was a team effort in not being able to take advantage, but that's also on your quarterback. And it's annoying, too, because you have two stud tight ends in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz that can eat in that area. And through two weeks, Goddard and Ertz, they've been non-factors through the first two weeks. The wide receivers, it's not just the tight ends. The receivers aren't going over the middle either, and I know Nick Sirianni points to a lot of that being a result of their play calling. But isn't my question after hearing that by Sirianni say, because a reporter asked him, why isn't Jalen Hurts throwing over the middle of the field through two weeks? And he said, it's kind of a result, a product of our offense. It's kind of a product of our play calling. But then my follow-up question would have been, isn't the play calling a product of the quarterback and maybe what you believe he can or can't do consistently? It just feels like, look, I think Nick Sirianni, his play calling on Sunday was, was not great, especially in the red zone and in key areas that you got to take advantage in situational football, third down, fourth down. It feels like, though, maybe the reason that Sirianni is struggling in these areas as a play caller and sometimes why he has these head-scratching play calls, does some of it have to do with he doesn't trust his quarterback's arm? I talked to Jeff McLean about this just the other day from the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he kind of agreed with me that it could be a legitimate concern. Obviously, there's got to be more time that goes by this season before we really find out that answer and see if that trend continues. But through two weeks, even against Atlanta, there were some times I'm like, huh, you guys ran it on third and six or just the the type of passing plays. It was like, do you trust your quarterback to just to get you that first down with his arm and not have to make it a gimmick, not have to, you know, manufacture the play rather to say, all right, Jalen hurts. Here's the play call. You can change in and out of it. Like we're giving you the control and it's a type of play that shows our trust in you to get the first down. That was a concern on Sunday that I had against the 49ers. It just felt like sometimes Sirianni was struggling. And again, it's not all on Jalen hurts for sure. It it was tough when the receivers aren't doing anything and the Niners are creating pressure. You know, it makes play calling and it makes play on Jalen hurts a lot harder But that was something I noticed, and I wonder, is is the play calling, because it is a direct result of the personnel you have. Nick Sirianni says it himself, like the scheme is going to be predicated based on the personnel you have. So is the offense like this because they don't trust Jalen Hurts? I'm not sure. We'll find out. We're going to find out this season. It is sink or swim, and it's an unfair thing for Jalen. Like when you look at who he's playing this week, he's playing Dak Prescott who started very similarly to Jalen Hurts. He was kind of a look-and-see thrower, right? Didn't throw with a lot of anticipation. The arm talent wasn't really there yet. It wasn't fully developed, but at the same time, Prescott was able to win games because of that offensive line, the run game. He was one of the best mobile quarterbacks in football. He liked to push the ball down the field, just like Jalen Hurts. He was a good enough passer in all areas to get you by. And now, in 2021, he has developed all of those weaknesses that I thought made Carson Wentz a better quarterback than him throughout the majority of their rookie contracts. But now Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback easily. And so Jalen Hurts, like when you talk about, I mentioned Alex Smith and Tyrod Taylor, that trajectory of being a quarterback that you could win with, but not win because of. There's also with Jalen an upside of a Russell Wilson or a Dak Prescott. But the question is sink or swim time for Dak Prescott? it it was a lot longer of a process. Jalen hurts at sink or swim time in one season, he's kind of got to do what Dak Prescott took four or five years to fully do. And it's not fair. It's extremely unfair. But considering the Eagles situation with the draft picks next year, considering what they drafted Jalen hurts to be, the leash is going to be shorter because they don't really they're not all in on him to begin with. And that's just, that's the way it is. And it's not fair to Jalen Hurts, but that's, hey, I mean, that is the the truth of the situation. And so he's got to do a lot more on on Monday against Dallas than what he did on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. Guys, today's show is sponsored by betonline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. I hammered that eight and a half they were giving the Carolina Panthers yesterday. My mistress team, I would call them. And uh, the Panthers, they won me some money yesterday. You can bet on the games itself. Individual bets, right? Player props, parlays, futures. All that and more at BetOnline. It's your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. And with a new updated site interface, there are even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Make sure you head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code. NFL 100, Ben Online, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, today's show is also sponsored by Get Upside. It's an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside, my listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 cent per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using get Upside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents on the gallon in cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Again, just download the free Get Upside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. All right, Eagles fans, Louis DiBiase wrapping up this Friday edition of Locked On QB1 on your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. We appreciate you making Locked On Eagles your first listen every day. And I'm diving into Jalen Hurts, his performance against San Francisco, and his potential performance coming up against the Dallas Cowboys. Another thing I had an issue about when it comes to his performance against the 49ers was his arm strength. Some people, you know, like how important arm strength is, it's a spectrum, right? It it varies per person. You don't have to have a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen-like arm if you're elite in so many other areas, right? You can have, you don't have to have an A-plus arm to get by you can have a b plus arm if everything else is top tier you can have an a arm even a b arm you can get by with that but at the same time does it matter at all certainly 100 percent. it's tough for me as a guy that really prioritizes arm talent in general it was tough to see Jalen hurts some of the throws he was making or was not making against san francisco and then i flick after the game to chargers cowboys right and i'm watching justin herbert or i'm watching kyler murray with the arizona cardinals and after watching jalen hurts it was hard to feel like the eagles weren't settling in that area arm strength again is not everything but it allow it creates optionality it it just gives you an advantage it allows your offense to create plays like in tight spaces it's not only you're not always going to be able to manufacture touches in the way that the Eagles were against the Atlanta Falcons. Like it's a game of inches for a reason. That cliche is out there for a reason. It's a game of inches. And when there's such tight spaces, especially over the middle where Jalen hurts is not going right now. I think a lot of it has to do with that arm strength and not really throwing with anticipation consistently when you don't have that arm strength, that's it's really tough to thrive in those areas. But if you do have that Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen type of arm, you can move the chains and you can make more plays than another offense has the ability to just based on the talent. Again, it doesn't always have to be about scheme. There's guys that, you know, I think sometimes arm talent can be, again, like I talked about with mobility in segment one, a gift and a curse. I think Jameis Winston, you look at, he feels like he can make every throw. Carson Wentz too thinks he can make every throw. So he tries to make every throw, every difficult throw. And tries to get more meat off the bones every play. And sometimes they don't know when to just take what the defense gives you. And there's finding again that middle ground. So some guys go too far on the opposite end. But I wonder with Jalen Hurts, like if he's not throwing with anticipation, he doesn't, he has a B arm. I mean, there's times he can get into it, i.e., the Quez Watkins deep bomb. But there were a lot of passes on Sunday that I thought died on Jalen, including multiple D passes that first one to Devonte smith there were a couple other ones though in the, in the second half to jalen rager to Devonte that just you know they were playable and they could have made a play on the ball but he didn't make it easy on his receivers and sometimes you just see like an out route that you know 10 plus yards down the field it was just soft and it looked like it was dying it gave defensive backs just that half a second longer to close in on that ball and potentially create a turnover. And so that's the disadvantage when you have a guy that doesn't have that kind of arm talent. Jalen Hurts on Sunday finished two of 10 on passes 10 plus yards down the field. And the issue again, too, it doesn't have to just do with the arm talent. If you're Tom Brady and you're one of the best, if not the best anticipation thrower in the history of football, then yeah, you don't need to have Mahomes' arm. But the issue with Hurts too right now is he's not yet a consistent enough anticipation thrower to get away with some of these plays that he's going to want to make because like those other guys I mentioned, he does have an aggressive mindset. He wants to make those kind of plays. But for a guy with a B arm, you're going to have to have faster processing than he had against San Francisco. I thought he had it against Atlanta and it's why he was able to make that unbelievable pass to Dallas Goddard in the end zone against the Falcons at the end of that half for the touchdown. But that's not consistent enough right now. And when you combine that and holding on to the football too long because of your mobility you want to use as well and your ability to push the ball down the field, wanting to push the ball down the field, when you combine that with a a B-grade arm, it's just not a great combination. And so, again, you don't have to have that. Jalen Hurts doesn't have to have that. He has other ways of making more of less You you know, arm talent isn't the only way to get more meat off the bones. Mobility is a key way to do that. Being able to extend plays, get guys more time to get open in space down the field. Um, It doesn't always have to be arm talent. That is the key reason a guy elevates you, but it is a really nice advantage. And it's something right now that I don't see in Jalen Hurts all the time. I don't want to say he just has a noodle arm because there's some times that he can rip it. That Dallas Goddard touchdown was on a rope. There was a play at the end of the fourth quarter against the 49ers, that final drive where they made it 17-11, to where he hit Dallas Goddard on the money in between, like in a triangle defense basically where there's a guy behind Goddard, there's a guy closing in on the left, there's a guy closing in on the right, and he put it on the money. But you know what the thing was? He threw that ball with anticipation. That ball was not a rocket like some other quarterbacks can throw, but he threw it on time with anticipation, before the defensive backs realized, and that's what gives you an advantage. And that's just not consistent enough. That's the thing. That's the, the key word is consistency, and it's just not quite there yet. And I wonder if it'll be there to the level it will need to be considering some of Hertz's limitations. But he's got plenty of time. He's got 15 more games this year to prove that he can be QB1. He's got a matchup, another favorable matchup this week. I know Trayvon Diggs has been playing Excellent football for the Cowboys at cornerback, but that's a team you can throw on. I mean, look at week one against Tampa Bay. Although they held Justin Herbert and the Chargers in check, this is not the hardest defense to that Jalen Hurts is going to see this year. It's a very beat-up front seven. In the secondary, again, Diggs looks really good. Actually, he has the uh, third lowest passer rating for opposing quarterbacks when they target him, only behind Jalen Ramsey and my boy CB1, Asante Samuel Jr., over with the Chargers. But... He's third and diggs is playing well, but that's not a great defense. And Jalen Hurts, if he you know, if he's on his game like he was against Atlanta, the Eagles should be able to put up points. So let's see on Monday night football, prime time. The country is watching Jalen. Let's see if QB one can really look like a legitimate QB one. Louis DiBiase signing off, guys. That's going to do it for your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked on Eagles. We appreciate you making Locked on Eagles your first listen every day. And to make sure it's your first listen every day, subscribe to LOE on any podcast platform and on YouTube as well. And we're always talking birds on Twitter after the show. Hit us up on Twitter at Locked on Birds at DiBiase, L-O-E, Gino Camilleri. He's on Twitter at GC24 underscore football. And I'm also writing articles for our Tegna brothers and sisters over at Fox 43. So you can check those articles I write every week for the Eagles on fox43.com. As always, Louis DiBiase signing off. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go Birds.